Hello world and welcome to Cartridge Club Portable. I'm your host, Curtis Freisel, and this month my very special guest, sorry, my guest is Lo Burton. Hello, Lo. Uh, yeah, yeah, who are you? Uh, they, they told me this was Cartridge Club. <laughs> that's good, that's good. So to give you a little backstory, dear listeners, about Lo and I, we first met on a Cartridge Club Prime episode where we discussed Resident Evil 4, did we not, Lo? Discuss is a strong word. Well, how would you describe it? Me annihilating you? Annihilating? For an hour and a half? Annihilating? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I believe the listeners were clearly on my side at the end of that podcast. As Too bad were they the weren't on that podcast. Participants on the podcast. Wrong. Wrong. No, no. No, everybody loves Resident Evil 4. You're just a contrarian who hates good things. No, I like Resident Evil. They don't make those anymore. Oh, they don't? Well, we'll, we'll figure that out. Mm, that's a good tease. That's a good tease. So why don't we get into it? Here we go. Showdown time. Low versus Curtis. So for Easy this month's rematch. Game, I was just about to start. You <laughs> cut me off. We're already off to a rocky start. Please, I'm an Lo, expert at that. Let me finish. No, because then it wouldn't be a Resident Evil po podcast. It's not going to be a podcast if it keeps up like this. <laughs> All right, do your thing. All right, for this month's CC Portable game, we played Resident Evil Revelations for the Nintendo 3DS. And I just want to remind you that it is in the title Resident Evil. Remember that, Lo. Now, this game was originally created for the 3DS, but it's been since ported to just about every current gaming console out there, including PlayStation 3, PS4, 360, Xbox One, Wii U, Windows, and there's even, if you didn't know this, a Nintendo Switch version coming in November. So clearly, there must be something to this game, right, Low? Right? You mean they don't just port every game to every system all the time now? Was that, are you talking about the Switch? Or I'm just, talking about everything. Just gaming in general? Well, I, that, that's not the question at hand. The question at hand is that this game is on multiple systems. They don't just put every game on multiple systems unless it's a big deal. I beg to differ. <laughs> I think everything on the Switch right now is a port. Everything on PS4 is a port, etc. Yeah, but not... Whatever, Lo, shut up. <laughs> We're not talking about we're, we're talking about Resident Evil Revelations. So this is a this is a this is a big deal, Resident Evil Revelations, and uh, this was exclusively originally for the Nintendo 3DS, which is kind of a cool deal. Um, there isn't a lot of lot of portable Resident Evil games out there that start on a handheld system, um, but this one was released February seventh, twenty twelve, in North America for the 3DS, and just to give you. Uh, an idea of the timeline of where the Resident Evil franchise was at this time. Um, the last Resident Evil proper game, which would have been Resident Evil 5, came out March 2009. So it would be three years until we got this one. But in between that, we got the Dark Side Chronicles, which is a rail shooter for the Wii. Um, and that came out in November 2009. And then it wouldn't be until June of 2011 that we got our first taste of Resident Evil on the 3DS, and that was Mercenaries 3D. Lo, what can you tell me about Mercenaries 3D? Absolutely nothing. Do you know you know the Mercenaries game, though, right? It, I believe it started in uh, Resident Evil 5, right? Or no, yeah. it start, no, no, no. It started in Resident Evil 4, your favorite game. 
It's, mm. it's like kind of a time attack mode mm. where you rack up points. Mm. Yeah, well, I can. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I can agree with you there because I can't believe they made that a whole game on the 3DS. There was only, aside from Mercenaries 3D, I, be, I believe there was only one other original uh, portable Resident Evil game, and that's Resident Evil Gaiden for the Game Boy Color, right? Was there anything else? I don't think there was. I, I had to ask Twitter when you first announced CC Portable, so... Yeah. And to be fair, I, I did almost put Resident Evil Gaiden on the poll for the, the Halloween game, but uh, I just, I didn't, it's a hard to find game, and it's kind of difficult, so I didn't know how much people would get into it. I felt this was a little bit more palatable. From what I heard, most people enjoyed it, and I think that was sort of made at a time when Resident Evil had a better grip on what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I have to check it out myself. I've never played it. I do own it. I do own it, and I played it a little bit. It's got some weird mechanics to it, uh, fighting the zombies and stuff. It kind of goes into this different mode where there's a, a crosshairs moving back and forth on the screen, and you have to kind of time it correctly to shoot the zombie. It's it's bizarre. Oh, it didn't have a lot to work with. That's true, but this did have a lot to work with, and let's see how it. Uh, how it turned out, right? Shall we talk about this game? So the let's get into the story here. So the story of this game, it takes place between Resident Evil 4, your favorite game, and Resident Evil 5. Um, Resident Evil 5 might be my favorite game. And by that, I mean when I played it, I ripped my friend's PlayStation out of the wall and threw it in the trash. Why did your friend have a PlayStation in the wall? It was plugged into the wall, Curtis. Oh, okay. Uh, well, th- this I think this is great. First of all, I'm 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 actually happy that you're here, because how perfect is this? This game takes place right after Resident Evil Four, so it's kind of like a sequel to our conversation we had on the Cartridge Club. Isn't that great? I missed you too, Curtis. That's not what I said. <laughs> so this game is presented in an episodic format, which is weird, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, for a total of twelve episodes which ends up being a pretty lengthy game when you get to the end. Um, It does take place on a ship, which is crazy, because so did Resident Evil Gaiden. So what are all these, like, portable Resident Evil games, obsessions with taking place on ships? I have a theory on that. Please, share it. Well, the the setting, it harkens back to Resident Evil 1 in terms of uh, a finite environment. This is good. I like the direction this is going. Yeah, and it's a lot like the mansion from back in the beginning where you're kind of just running back and forth and getting screwed over in every corner. And I think that maybe at least in the beginning, that's the brightest idea they had. I don't know that the idea of expansion was all that popular. Mm -hmm. And now coming back with Revelations, I think that was one of the ways they tried to win over people like me who had been turned off by the complete departure from Resident Evil's roots is to bring it back to that isolated environment. Yeah, and I do kind of feel, too, because Resident Evil Gaiden kind of came and went with little fanfare at the time that they felt this is still a cool um, location to set a Resident Evil game, so why don't we go back to that and kind of really capitalize on that with the current hardware, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so let's let's. Uh, f- first of all, I want to say we're, we're we're taking a little bit of a different direction with the podcast this month because it's a very story driven game. I we're we're gonna kind of go through the entire game from top to bottom, um, and I took copious notes whilst I played it. So I'm just gonna say it right now. Spoiler alert: If you have not played this game, we are gonna be talking about every odd and end in this every every nook and cranny we're going to try and dive into so you have been warned that's all i have for my spoiler alert but for some backstory lo would you do me a favor as you can see in the outline before you i wrote a little backstory monologue that i would like you to read would you read that for us don't know how my uh fifth grade reading skills are but we'll give it a shot All right, so Resident Evil Revelations is set between Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 5. Shortly after the establishment of the counter-terrorism group Bioterrorism Security Assessment Alliance, or the BSAA, you hear that a lot in the game. One year prior to the game's event, the Federal Bioterrorism Commission, I can speak, FBC, uh, sent agents Parker Luciani and Jessica Sherwatt to keep the city of Terragrigia under control after the bioterrorist organization Veltro launched an attack using genetically modified living creatures in opposition to Terragrigia's solar energy development. You stuck a lot of words in this. <laughs> in, in the present, the BSAA head Clive R. O'Brien sends out BSAA agents Jill Valentine and Parker to search for agents Chris Redfield and Jessica at their last known location, which was uh, provided as a cruise ship the Queen Zenobia, in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. They have reportedly gone missing during their mission to investigate Veltro's possible reappearance. Well done. Couldn't have done it better myself. No, I could have done I, it better. I really I, hope I, you I could have done it better myself. But you did a great job. Thank you for that. And so before we jump into the game, I, I find this really bizarre. So it takes place between Resident Evil 4 Resident Evil 5, but it's almost like there was another game that took place that never happened. And it's all this Terra Grigia stuff, right? Yeah, there's not a ton of explanation on Terra Grigia. So it just they just kind of jammed it in there or like deal with it. Yeah, like in videos, you see that there was this city in the middle of the sea, kind of an Atlantis type place that gets infected and overrun with a bunch of monsters and, and what have you. And then it ends up sinking and you think, wow. That must have been a great game until you realize that wasn't a game at all, <laughs> right? Like why? Well, not? Uh, what, like what, did, what? What? Why create this whole other story and then set this game after it? We don't Curtis, I have been asking that since Resident Evil Four. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you get this whole Terra Grigia nonsense, which to me just could have made a, a game in and of itself, and it felt really bizarre. That like they. they it doesn't even really reference Resident Evil 4, does it? Not really, but Which I mean... I'm, it, it, I'm sure you're very the, happy about. The characters have always been kind of separated that way. Yeah. Like, uh, 4 was obviously all Leon, and now we're getting back to Chris and Jill. Sure. So they're just sort of flip-flopping, and then I think 5 was Chris as well, so... Yeah. Which I guess this leads into, but we'll get to that in a bit. So, let's start with episode 1. And this is Into the Depths. And so each episode is actually kind of broken into even smaller little segments. Like acts. Acts, if you will. Thank you. And so in the first act, uh, we meet Jill Valentine, who we're familiar with, and Parker, as previously mentioned. 
um, as they are already on the ship, or they get to the ship, and um, they're kind of looking around, and it ends with encountering the first enemy. So much like Resident Evil 1, when you're walking through the mansion for the first time, and you come across that first zombie, eating a body, it's kind of got that flavor to it, would you say? Let's just rewind a minute here, because it starts even sooner than this, okay? So it's a dark and stormy night, and you are on a ghost ship that's pitching and yawing, and you've got this new guy that you've never met before. But you're Jill Valentine, so you're like, all right, I can handle this. And you go, and you walk around, and you find a door. And the door is absolutely raped with chains and sealed with a padlock. But you're like, no, wait. I am Jill, the master of unlocking. I can handle this. And what's the first thing she says? Maybe I can shoot it. What the That is true. That's a good point. I will give you that one. It, it's. I get that they're kind of introducing you to the gun mechanic and how to shoot. And, you know, that's you're learning while doing it instead of someone just telling you, uh, which I like. But yes, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense with Jill Valentine, the master of unlocking. She doesn't do any sort of lock picking in this game at all. And that's not the only mechanic that they kind of ruined because here's me knowing Resident Evil. And I'm like, I ain't wasting ammo shooting up some lock. So I knifed it, which turns out is the only use for the knife in the entire game. That and, and, uh, uh, hitting boxes you need to like break boxes with that the randomly inserted boxes yeah. but otherwise yeah i the knife is pointless Wait, but the knife is like pointless in every resident evil game and yet so many people do knife only runs of resident evil games that's true i don't think you could do a knife only run in this game i would i would like to see that that would be very i, I tried it was impossible <laughs> yeah exactly so uh yeah you meet we know Jill Valentine. Parker. Let's talk about Parker for a second. He's like, uh, what, what, what kind of accent he's got? He's got like a Spanish accent? Uh, it seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's cool. I dig him. Kind of, he, he doesn't have much charisma. That's the thing that, that Resident Evil as a franchise has seemed to struggle with after Resident Evil 3 is they always kind of rest on their laurels with the established characters. But anytime they introduce a new character, it's it, it always falls flat. You don't. You're not creating another, like, legacy character a la Leon, Claire Redfield, Jill Valentine, Chris Redfield, those sorts. Like, remember Resident Evil Zero? With, uh, what's the, the dude with the tattoos on his arm and the handcuff? Billy or whatever? You got me. Um, th- it's something that they, they've struggled with. Even in 4, like, they brought back Leon, but that was not Leon. That was some moody teenager called Leon. Uh, that was with, sexy, charming with, Leon. With dreamy eyes. But with dreamy eyes. Do you remember Not when the Leon he, that you fell in love with, though. Because he's evolved. you got to evolve the character. You know, you can't keep him the same. That, that's just or, good or writing, Lowe. you can just Lowe. drastically just, change him and sell him to a new audience. Why, yeah. do you, why do you hate Leon so much? <laughs> I don't. I hate, I hate his teenage cousin. This is my point. But anyway... To, to further the discussion here, um, what that told me immediately, like once you land on that ship and they've established that you're Jill and then they introduce you to Parker, which is a weird name for him, by the way. Um, my, my first thought was, like, he's going to have some pivotal but disposable influence on this story. And I thought that until I met Jessica. 
And oh, then I wait, was like, no, no, no. oh, save it, save it. Hold on. We don't, we, we're not, we're not blowing the Jessica talk yet. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get there. When, when I don't, I don't know how to say it. We'll, we'll get there because yes, I have, I have many things to say. Oh, by the way. So Parker's last name is Luciani. Is it maybe he's supposed to have like an Italian accent? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe? He's maybe yeah, Mediterranean somewhere in that. Yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. So anyway, this, this little act ends with you finally meet the first enemy. And you think in a Resident Evil game, your first enemy is going to be what? Zombie. But instead, we're treated to... Putty Man. <laughs> what is that thing? What is it? I don't get it. A putty man. He melts into a pool of blood. Yeah. And then he's just got like spikes sticking out of his arms or something, right? I've heard him referred to as Leech Man. Because when he attacks you, he has this like big phallic tube that comes out of his mouth and like xenomorph sucks, tongue thing sucks yeah. on your neck or whatever. And so this is the beginning of all the many monsters we're going to meet on the ship, none of which are actually a zombie. So this is continuing the trend that kind of started in Resident Evil 4 that we don't have zombies anymore. It's just mutated T-virus, whatever. Uh, monsters. Let's move on to the second act of episode one. Now, this introduces what we'll see a lot in this game, and that's flip-flopping stories around. So, traditionally, you just follow one character, two characters throughout the game, but this kind of bounces all over the place, and you're following all sorts of characters. Not only that, are you bouncing back and forth um, between simultaneous or parallel timelines, you're getting a lot of flashbacks, too, to kind of give you more backstory, especially about this whole Terra Grigia incident that has never been talked about or mentioned in any other Resident Evil game until now. Um, and so this this is a flashback uh, where you're playing again as Jill and Parker on a beach with their boss. And this essentially is used to introduce the scanning mechanic. So you have this like scanner that you can scan enemies. And it's kind of a risk versus reward scenario because the closer you are to an enemy, the more like points you'll get. You have to get 100%, so you'll get more percentage. And when you get 100%, you get an herb canister. Um, but if, like, say you kill the enemy and then you decide to scan it, you'll only get a couple percent, two, three, four percent. Whereas if you scan it while it's coming at you, you'll get 16%, let's say. So it's a risk versus reward thing, but let's just talk about that scanner for a moment. What did, what did you think of this this scanning mechanic? So it's, it's called the Genesis, yeah, and thank, thank I, I never right. thought I would say that, but the Genesis gets old real fast. I absolutely hated it. I hate any game that has you scanning stuff. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. It, my initial thought was... Because the games now are, are a little more action-oriented, mm -hmm. and personally, I like exploring. Like, if you can give me an action-exploration game like Uncharted, I'm all in. Sign me up. Oh, I so agree. I agree. At first, I, I thought, you know, this could be interesting. Like, um, there's, there's a way to incorporate this that's fun. They didn't do it. But <laughs> so effectively... Um, like you said, you, you have this ability to just scan and it brings up a, a separate screen. This, by the way, you have to equip like a weapon. Mm -hmm. So you can't have your gun and the Genesis at the same time. It's one or the other. So it's kind of like um, the camera in Bioshock in the sense that like if you want to get close to that enemy, you can't fight and scan at the same time. Right. So it adds, like you said, the risk versus reward. 
but um the the reward so to speak is always virtually nothing i mean there is a point in the game where you're hurting for herbs and that's you know it's helpful when you do get the 100 percent completion and it rewards you with that but for the most part the only things you're scanning are random gleaming points that will pop up in the various rooms or a handprint which Mm -hmm. by the way i never got to the bottom of what was the point of the handprints uh, it helps you unlock different weapons. Depending on how many handprints you find, you can unlock like a more powerful gun, like a rifle oh. or handgun or whatever. I never noticed that, but okay, yeah. cool. Um, it, it's weird because they don't really like, I think it just kind of shows up in one of your uh, gun boxes throughout the game. So they don't, there's no no uh, pomp and circumstance to unlocking it. You just kind of get it all of a sudden, as far as I understand, because that's what it seemed like to me. I did unlock a couple of them. I said I didn't really notice it, but I just kept scanning handprints. <laughs> so then we move into the third act, and this now you're kind of just getting the hang of the game. It's your typical Resident Evil. You're fighting enemies. You're finding keys. Everything you kind of know and love about the series. That's what you're doing. Kind of boring. So then we move into episode two, and I want to point out these episode titles are just dumb. So this <laughs> one's called Double Mystery. And all of, all, all of I mean, what did you think of these titles? Come on. There's like no irony to them. It was probably one of those lost in translation things. Like if you had it in Japanese, it might be a little more. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe but I, worse, I suppose. <laughs> Let's talk about the first act of episode two. And now this is another flashback. But instead of Jill and Parker, we now get to see what Chris Redfield and Jessica are up to. So Jessica is a new character in this game. And uh, let, why don't we talk about Jessica for a second? Lo, what did you think of Jessica? Okay, so Jessica was my first realization that the character design in this game is absolutely bad. What the hell is she wearing? What The whole game, it's like a Mariah Carey concert with Jessica. Every time she's got some new ridiculous outfit on, every time you play as her. And it just gets, it really does get more and more ridiculous throughout the game. Uh and the women are always kind of objectified in the Resident Evil games. I mean, come on. Every single game, aside from maybe the first one, the women are always wearing, like, these ridiculous costumes. You know, like, in, the, in Resident Evil 2, Claire Redfield's got this, like, biker, you know, chick thing. And that's kind of cool. I, I get that. But Ada Wong, this, like, agent, she's, like, always wearing this, like, Japanese fancy nightgown sort of thing with a slit up the leg, you know. Like, she's supposed to be running around, running around doing action scenes in that. Are you kidding me? Then, you know, Resident Evil 3, we got Jill in, like, the, the tube top running and the miniskirt running through Raccoon City. I mean, what, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and you gotta figure, I mean, if, if you look at Chris... So, I mean, this is your first time actually seeing Chris face-to-face, as it were, but in the previous episode, they sort of tease him, and you you see him perhaps tied up to a chair. And all I want to say is, what is that dude eating? Chris? Holy crap. Biffcake. Like, <laughs> he, he... What the hell happened? Oh, I Chris know. between the, the, the original trilogy and in Revelations, he's... I, I, you know what he reminds me of? I don't know if you ever saw the movie of uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Did you ever see that? Yes. And there is a, at the end of the movie, somebody gets a hold of Mr. Hyde's potion. 
Right, right, yes. And he takes, like, 80 doses of it, and he grows into this giant, mutated, super hide. That is what Chris looks like. Well, that's why they, the, his nickname is Chris Roydfield. <laughs> Beefcake. But um, it's very difficult to look at any of these characters and think, okay, I'm in this situation, let's do this. You're just, mm. you laugh. You have to laugh at them. You do. And Jessica's a weird character. She, like, immediately they kind of paint this picture that she's jealous of whatever Chris and Jill have, you know? like She's very man-hungry. Yeah, everything she says is either some sort of sexual innuendo or thinly-veiled jealousy towards Jill. Which is why uh, what I was trying to get at earlier before you stopped me is when I met Parker for the first time and I thought, like, I couldn't try to figure out what his piece in this puzzle is mm-hmm. and then I met Jessica and then it hit me it hit me the moment that I met Jessica and I realized I've never met Jessica before and I've never met Parker before so that means they're both expendable because we know Resident Evil just brings back the same characters over and over again right and I realized at that well I guessed I guessed at that moment that Parker was probably gonna die and Jessica I don't like her she's bad news I would say those were good guesses. Uh, (laughs) But this game is, there's no subtlety to this game. I mean, you can see most, I'm going to say 99.9% of the twists and turns coming a mile away. Yeah, I agree. But Resident Evil as a whole has never been good at subtlety. So let's get back to this flashback for a second. So now we we get the introduction of the dogs in the game. Every Resident Evil game has got to have some sort of weird mutated dogs. And that's what we get in this episode. Um, yeah, anything to say about the dogs? Robust. <laughs> okay, moving on. So in the second act of episode two, now we're back to Jill and Parker, and they need to uh, they need to get weapons, you know? And then we also introduce the dodge mechanic, which is, I believe, a new mechanic to this game. It was used again in Resident Evil 5, but I think this was the... Uh, well, no, I guess 5 came first. So it's carrying over from Resident Evil 5, even though this takes place before 5. You get what I'm trying to say. Uh, did you use the dodge mechanic a lot, or could you, did you get a, a handle for it? Uh, was there a dodge mechanic? I, I remember using it that one time, and mm-hmm. that was it. <laughs> I felt like... I don't think it worked. More or less, it was accidental if I did ever use it. Yeah, the all of the, if you will, defense mechanisms in the game were really broken. I agree. I, they, they were not implemented well, and that's all we got to say about that. So this episode has you, uh, or this act has you trying to get to the bridge, which is, what is that, the front of the ship? Yeah, that's that's where they control everything. You, you seem to know your, your ship lingo and jargon. What were you saying before? Yawning and yaffing or something? Pitching and yawing? Pitching and yawing, yeah, that's it. <laughs> One of us is a sailor. Uh, clearly, clearly. Um, so, but the, the funny thing about the end of this episode is it introduces this, like, cli- the most cliche character in the game. Uh, I've called him Evil Conan O'Brien because he looks like an evil Conan O'Brien. Would you agree? The little ginger kid? Yeah. The little emo ginger kid? Yeah. With the really bad hair dye job? Yeah, correct. And they introduce him like, like he's so obviously supposed to be evil. Which then makes you think, oh, no, this is a total swerve. He's not going to be evil in the end. It's almost like he's too evil right away. You know what I mean? Yeah, as you said, subtlety is not Resident Evil's best feature. 
And uh, most of the characters you meet in this game, you figure them out pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so that ends with the, the evil Conan O'Brien cliffhanger, which moves us into episode three, aptly titled The Ghosts of Veltro. I don't know why that's aptly titled. So we move into another flashback. This time, now we're getting to see Parker and Jessica paired together, so the two side characters. And now we're back on Terra Grigia. It's a flashback to before the, the city was destroyed. And you're kind of running through this building and you're fighting hunters. So hunters, obviously a staple within the Resident Evil franchise. And this was actually, I noted, this was the first time I died. But the one thing I noticed about the... Uh the foes in this game. And I actually noticed this right from the very, that first enemy that you encounter in the kitchen mm -hmm. is you've got, I think in the, that first episode, you've got a clip of 10 bullets, I think. And like I said, I went in with the knife and I tried, man, I spent days just knifing away at that guy and he did not go down. So it was obvious right from the get go that the only way you're going to be able to take down these enemies is to shoot them. The problem there being you need about 12,000 bullets. None of the enemies in this game go down easy. And the hunters especially, um, not only because they're so tough in, on their own, but they almost always come in packs. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Yeah, no, the hunters, they always overwhelm you, which actually is kind of cool. Like, I like that they're just coming at you from every direction, and you just got to go nuts. Because I'm a big fan of the shotgun. And so, you like, and I both. Yeah, shotgun's always been my favorite weapon in the Resident Evil franchise. Um, but that's great that you bring this up, because in the second act of episode three, uh, we finally meet Evil Conan. His name is Raymond, apparently, but I'm still going to refer to him as Evil Conan. And so now we're back to Jill and Parker searching the ship. You get the shotgun, as I just mentioned. You also get the rifle, but then uh, you were talking about the, the weapons and, and the bullets and um, how it takes so much to kill. Well, one of the things I really liked in this game is you got these custom parts for weapons and they don't just go to a single weapon you can kind of interchange them between the weapons which is awesome so if you want to favor the shotgun and have that be a little bit more powerful well you can do that but then you know say you pick up another custom part and you want to favor the capacity for the handgun well you can have the handgun hold more bullets but if say you want to flip flop that you can totally do that and i love that i don't it's never been done in a resident evil game like that right that is one of the uh, elements that they added that they actually did right, was giving you the ability to sort of customize the way you play. Yeah, love that. And I did the same thing. I stuck everything on the shotgun. The only trouble there being that typical of Resident Evil, you, you fighting for ammo all the time, and there was a distinct lack of shotgun ammo in this game. See, I didn't have that problem. I used the shotgun a lot, and I always felt like I was more than i had more than enough ammo I, I felt okay with pretty much every other weapon the shotgun is the only one i noticed that mm -hmm. like i'd run out and then it would be a while and like i would go to those um weapons crate things and and i'd consider giving it up because like between the amount of ammo it takes to take down an enemy and then the fact that i have a lack of ammo for the particular weapon that i lay i wonder maybe it, it was like a uh, difficulty slider kind of thing. Like, maybe because I used the gun so much, they made it harder for me. Could be, yeah. Uh, but the cool thing about the, the end of this episode is you kind of get your first boss fight. And this is the comms officer. Do you remember Do you remember coming up to this fight? This this was probably one of my favorite moments in the oh, whole game. So good. Why don't, okay, describe it. 
Okay, so you're running around. There's different parts of a ship. Um, the the Queen Zenobia is the name of the ship, and she's a cruise liner. So she's designed basically like a city on the water, and there's there's a casino, and there's obviously the uh, staterooms, and then there's the promenade deck, and that's like where you've been told to go for whatever it is you need. I think you find a note somewhere that the comms officer left, and it says like if anyone's still alive. I'm in the emergency comms room on the promenade deck. Come find me. And so that's what you're doing. And you're making your way into this area. And then you find it's like a uh, it, like a little mall almost. And there's like mm-hmm. a little cafe. And you're walking around. And then wait, 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 in the wait, background. Wait, so, so okay, yeah, you're going to do it. Because before you, you, as you're walking up, this is, I'm getting there. I'm okay. getting there. Sorry, sorry, I'm there. sorry. I'm go, there. go, go. So it's kind of all closed off, and there's doors locked, and there's like piles of things in the way, and so you're just trying to find your way to get around, and then suddenly you hear this beacon, this little guy. It's a, it's a, a voice, and it's, it's in the distance, and you can just hear him going, Mayday, Mayday. This is the Queen Zenobia, and you're like, Holy. Sh- he's like he's making a, an emergency call mm-hmm. and so you you start looking around you start looking around you get closer and he gets louder and he gets louder and then and you, his find, voice you find like this... distorts like it's like mayday mayday exactly he's clearly not human anymore and you realize at that moment you start hearing the banging on the door and you go oh f- i'm gonna have to fight this guy aren't i uh-huh. so we get to our first boss fight and uh, he, he's like, how, how would you describe him? He's like this big blob guy with like a saw on his arm, right? Like a, okay. like a, like an organic saw arm. Something so like most that. of the, the quote unquote zombies in this game are like humanoid. I called them putty men. Like they're yeah. gray and just kind of blob like creatures. And then the evolution of those characters, like there's a few of them throughout the game. And the boss, this is your first time seeing like a heavily mutated one. And he still has the, it's a comms officer and he still has his head, but it's been shifted kind of off onto his mutated shoulder. And then he's got this secondary kind of blob head. I think it had another one of those suction xenomorph tongue things coming off it. That was like one of the ways he attacked you. And then on the other arm, he has a saw and he's, he's massive and did not go down without a fight, man. I'll tell you what. So I see. I found a, a way to defeat him and take no damage. I mean, it was so easy. I kind of, I found this cheat, if you will. Where so, were you when I was fighting this bastard? Yeah, no, it was so easy. So there's this part where there's a room that you can jump out the window onto a balcony, right? Yep, that's and the he, room he's in, isn't it? Yep, that he comes out of. He can't attack you through the window nor can he climb through the window. So what he has to do is walk out of the room, come around to the balcony. So you have a lot of time. So what I would do is I would jump through the window, and then I would shoot him through the window until he left the room. And then I would shoot him a couple more shots when he came around the side to start coming towards me. Then as he got closer, I would jump back through the window, rinse and repeat, shoot him out the window, he'd get out of sight, he'd come into the room, I'd shoot him a couple more times, jump through the window, and I would just keep doing that back and forth until he was dead. Okay, let me ask you something. How long did that take you? Um, I don't know, maybe like two or three minutes. Are you kidding me? Were you playing on easy mode? No, no. I think you're lying. That boss, 
that actually all of the bosses in this game, but that was the first one, and that right. was the first time I threw my 3DS at the wall. He took, that a, boss he took, took a lot of ammo, but because it was so easy, I, I don't know. I, it didn't feel like it didn't feel the, like a challenge at all. Yeah. So the the method that I landed on was very similar to what you just described, but there's a couple of other things at play here. So uh, again, ammo. You're at you're at limited ammo, and there is ammo scattered everywhere in the promenade. Like mm. there's no real shortage of it um but there's a couple of other things there's a couple things you're supposed to do which is there are these red canisters red fuel canisters kind of littered throughout the promenade and you're supposed to lead him to one of those canisters and then blow it up sure and that sort of stuns him for a minute the other thing that you have to take into consideration here is while all this is happening the place is just crawling with our quote-unquote zombies they are literally coming out of the woodwork they're everywhere yep and your your useless partner, who's I don't think he moved the entire boss battle. I always felt like they would shoot the enemies, but never kill an enemy. So it felt like are these bullets actually doing anything, or is this just like the animation that's happening behind me? Much like the knife and the Genesis, they are completely useless. Right, right. So now that that first boss battle, it took me several tries. Number one, just to find a uh, a, a strategy that worked. And number two, yeah, with everything going on, it's a lot. It is a lot going on. And you must be some sort of freaking Resident Evil god to have taken that down in three minutes because just fetching the ammo alone and having him chase you would be... No. I I, I, I didn't even hear what you said at the end there because all I focused on was you calling me a Resident Evil (laughs) god. I have that on tape. Oh, my goodness. That's great. That's great. So that... Uh that puts a nice little stamp on episode three. Moving on to episode four, A Nightmare Revisited. This was actually the shortest episode. It was only had one act, and it finds Jill and Parker exploring the casino, uh, at the aforementioned casino on the ship. And this introduces another enemy, Killer Fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you the one thing that pissed me off, though. In the So you're on a ship, and every door that you go through, you have to open the door, and then it closes. And then your partner comes along and opens and closes. <laughs> so right. it happens twice for every door that you go through in mm-hmm. this game. Mm-hmm. And especially towards the end of the game when they're slamming the door in your face. Yeah. Bastards. So a couple notable things about this episode. You get you finally get the machine gun, which is, uh, I think, the last... No, I think you still need to get the rifle after this of the main guns you get. Um, but then the end of this episode has another one of my favorite moments in the game which is you fight this scary zombie lady, Rachel, um, and it's not just in one room. She kind of chases you all over the, the ship, uh, which really felt like kind of like Nemesis in Resident Evil 3. Did you get that vibe? I agree with you. Yeah, she, it, it's, it feels like it happens in stages, basically. So yeah. like you get a few shots, and then she literally runs away and yep. starts giggling. This may have been... I don't know if I want to say the scariest moment of the game, but it's definitely the most tense. I mean, my heart was just like beating when you're running and the music really plays into it. And it's just like your heart is racing as you're trying to like get to wherever you're going. Then she keeps popping up out of nowhere. And, you know, there's a lot of tight corners in this game. And she'll just come flying around a corner all of a sudden. Like pops out of the bathroom. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a really fun fight. Um, and then we get to episode five, Secrets Uncovered, which is, I couldn't tell if this was a flashback or not, because you're playing as these new characters that are introduced, and it's these, like, 
random BSAA agents, right? And um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum ass. Yeah, and you're like on like a you're like in the is that like you're you're like in some sort of uh, mountain area, snow and stuff. Yeah, right? so the, uh, the area that Chris and Jessica were actually in. Right. Because as it turns out, they weren't on the ship. Right. Um, they're they're searching for what is that? Valtro? Valtro, yeah. They're searching for their secret base in the mountains, basically. And so now these guys, I think, are infiltrating Valtro's base and trying to get information on where the ships are in the ocean. Right. And what's weird about this first act, if you will, is they introduce the uh, hunters, but these aren't, these are special hunters. These aren't just your normal hunters. These are invisible hunters, which pretty corny. What do you, you think about these invisible hunters? It, it completely ruins the point of a horror game. Like, yeah. you're, you have this ability to design these characters, and your answer is just, no, nah, let's make them invisible. Yeah. This is the part of the game that I, I started to get really annoyed with the direction. Like, mm. they're, they're introducing so many timelines, and now they've introduced so many characters. Like, you really you don't just play as Jill or Chris. You play as pretty much everybody at some mm -hmm. point. Yeah. And it's, it gets to the point where it's like, I have enough to try and keep track of. And now you're just piling all this garbage on top and making me play as these characters that I'm not familiar with. Right. And, you know, some of them have the scanner and some of them don't have the scanner. And it, it, it's just piling on at this point. And then they start annoying you with shit, like invisible enemies. And you're like, nah, <laughs> no. Yeah. So then we go back to uh, Jill and Parker. And they're in like the bowels of the ship at this point, and you're fighting these. You're kind of walking through water that's up to your waist, and you're fighting the scary fish again, and these weird water bugs that kind of pop out of nowhere and jump on you. And then there, you do your first real big puzzle of the game, which is this steam puzzle, which I thought was actually kind of fun. Um, note here, I died my second time in the game, uh, and then you end with a big cliffhanger with. Uh, you know, something you see in tons of movies where the water is filling up the room and how are we going to get out of here? Oh my God. This feels like it happened so long ago that I barely remember it, but what I'm remembering, I'm feeling like it was later in the game and it's not. Right. Um, so then in the last act of this episode, we've realized that these two other random BSA agents that we've been spending time with, it's not a flashback. It's happening uh, simultaneously to the story on the Queen Zenobia. And so, and maybe, I don't know, I, maybe this is just when I realized it. It could have been <laughs> like that the whole time. But that's when I was like, oh, okay, this isn't a flashback. Uh, by the way, you find out one of these guys, his, his like, code name is Jackass. Yeah, I just called them Tweedledee and Tweedledumass. Yeah, that just, that just fell so flat for me. It's dumb, like, Jackass, come on. Uh, and then and now you finally fight the Invisible Hunters. And I don't think there's much to say about that, uh, the rest of that episode. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, they're just adding too many elements. I don't know if we really made it clear that... So, the beginning of the game, you're Jill and Parker, and you're sent to find Chris and Jessica, but it turns out Chris and Jessica are actually in the mountains where we thought they were. So then Chris and Jessica get sent to rescue Jill and Parker, <laughs> and that's why Tweed Tweedledee and Tweedledumass have to find this information, find out where the ships are so that Chris can go and get them. Right, right. And that leads to another pretty crucial moment in one of the future chapters. Right. So episode six, Cat and Mouse, another fantastic title for an episode. Uh, we are now spending time with Chris and Jessica as they arrive at the Queen Zenobia. 
Um, and this is where we were talking about what Jessica was wearing. She's wearing this like wetsuit that has a leg missing from it. So it's like her bare leg, which is just yeah. it's the most ridiculous suit ever. And she has this weird like kind of um, uh, uh, Destro, you know, Destro from G.I. Joe. Yep. Um, he's got this like Cobra th- thing above his shoulders, like a cape type thing. And she's got a similar thing on her suit. I don't know. The whole thing just didn't work. And like her hair's kind of coming out of the suit. Remember that? Yeah. And she changes quite a bit from when you, when you see her in the flashbacks and she's like wearing that flight attendant uniform. Right. And her hair is like super short. And now you can see it's grown out quite a bit. Right. And, well, the only thing that hasn't changed is just her poor attitude. Exactly. So we, we are in, we're with Chris and Jessica. They fight some monsters in the casino. I actually died a third time here. Um, and then you fight your way. So, so the way they set it up, Jill and Parker were stuck in this room where the water's rising. They can't get out. Someone needs to come save them, or that's how you would be led to be, believe. Um, and so Chris and Jessica arrive, and you think, okay, they're going to meet up, and they're going to save them. But the big like twist at the end of this act is they actually aren't even on the Queen Zenobia. They're on the sister ship, which is like completely you know, somewhere else. Um, but it's it's the same design. So you thought you were on the ship the whole time, only to find out you're not. Yeah, so these ocean liners are often designed in, in siblings. And uh, the Queen Zenobia actually has two sisters, uh, one of which... Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alert. We haven't got there yet. We already called spoiler alert. You, you calm down. Yeah, but spoiler alert on the spoiler alert. We're going to get there. We haven't got there yet. You know what? The third one doesn't matter anyway. So what you're getting at If there is, even is a third one. I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, and then you find out that uh, Chris and Jessica are on the wrong ship. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to Jill and Parker having to escape the room filling with water. And this is where you start, the, you, we're doing the whole uh, uh, swimming thing, you know, where you're swimming underwater. Um, not as bad as swimming in some games. Like uh, one game I think of, off the top of my head is Dino Crisis 2. There's this whole section of the game where you're underwater and it just feels like it takes forever to do anything. You're moving so slow. But I thought the swimming kind of worked in this game. I don't know. Swimming is never like a mechanic that you want to see. <laughs> it's pretty much always bad news. It's like water levels in general, you know. Yeah. But uh, all things considered, it wasn't terrible, but there are a couple of things that you have to learn. And the first of which is you can't use your weapons. Mm-hmm. Or anything while you're underwater. And the other is that you can drown. Yes, you need to constantly come up for air. And there's not... Basically, how you know you're running out of air is the screen starts, like, uh, desaturating. So it's, it starts turning gray and black and white instead of having any color to it. But Which, again, something we didn't even mention is that that's the health meter in this game. Correct. It adopted this newfound... Your screen just kind of gets bloody and colorless as you're dying. Right? Is that like is that gear. like Gears of War? Does Gears of it's War? It's like do everything that? these days. Right. Pretty yeah, much yeah. every game does that. True. So anyway, they get out of the room. Surprise, surprise! And you fight this weird tentacle thing on the elevator. You remember that? That was actually kind of a fun. I remember fight. a lot of tentacles. <laughs> yeah, you, this is the first time we see a tentacle thing, of which there are many. Uh, but yeah, you fight this tentacle thing on the elevator, and then you come up to. Where are we here? On uh, the observation deck. And you fight. You have another kind of boss fight here. And I just called him the the Turtle Man. Because he's this weird, like, turtle-looking dude that's got a shell. So you can only hit him in his 
soft spots, but then he'll have his shell and he runs at you. Do you remember that fight? The fighting in this game, it feels so redundant and just pointless at times. Yes. And this and was yet another one of those really moments. really do take a long time. Indeed. So you're just doing the same thing over and over. Um, one other little note I made on this was, so you're having to unlock doors a lot of times, and it's always the same puzzle. You have to use the stylus to do it, and it's essentially you have to connect the dots so that uh, an electrical circuit you know, the, the, the electricity passes through the through every dot. I don't know how to explain it. Really dumb, really simple, and not not the best use of the stylus, in my opinion. Or puzzles in general. Or puzzles in general, yeah. This is yet another one of those areas where they just failed to do anything interesting. And there's, yeah, it's just very pointless. Like, where they chose to put them, Mm-hmm. The only one that kind of made sense is when you were locked up in the beginning of the game and you have to go find your weapons. You're running around the room going, oh, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? The doors are locked. And then you realize there's this keypad and you have a splash. You have to go find a screwdriver and then you can open the keypad and essentially hack it, which is where they insert this weird light bulb puzzle thing. Yeah. And, and just in general, like Resident Evil was built on puzzles. That was one of... The, the funnest aspects of the original games. And here, the puzzles are just so simple and easy, and I was very disappointed by that. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. So moving into episode seven, the Regia Solis, whatever that, I, I, I forget what that refers to. Uh, but we, the we, satellite. Oh, that's right. Yes. So you're playing as Jill and Parker again, and I put, I'm really starting to hate this map. So let's talk about the map for a second. Okay, so there's two versions of the map uh, when you're on the ship. Oh, right, right, yeah. So when you're actually playing, there's like a flat map where it shows what room you're in and what's coming up. But even that, you can't zoom out, really. You can only see your immediate surroundings. Yeah, there's just like a mini map. So then if you want to do the big map, you get this like 3D model that you can zoom around, but it doesn't let you like zoom out enough and zoom around it completely so it makes it really difficult to kind of see where you're supposed to go, especially with the ship has like three or four levels. The, yeah, the big map was, it's, uh, I can't speak English, compartmentalized. There we go. So each area of the ship is like, it will highlight if you search it. And then usually there's like a little marker telling you. So if it says like, go to the bridge, then you can highlight the bridge and the bridge alone in it. So it just kind of gives you an idea where on the ship to go. Mm-hmm. I think actually this is probably designed for people like yourself who are not familiar with seafaring vessels, because to me, the design actually made quite a lot of sense. So the rest of this little act has you fighting hunters on the way to the foredeck, and that's to get to something called a UAV, which is a missile that shoots up into the air, and it's supposed to... It's an unmanned aerial vehicle. It's a <laughs> <Thank> drone. <you. laughs> What would I do if you weren't here? <laughs> Just figure it out for yourself, people. It's an unmanned aerial vehicle. Or vessel, I can't remember. Vessel, but yeah. whatever. It's a drone. It's yeah. a big old drone. And, that and so the off. reason you have to get the drone is to interrupt the signal from the uh, the satellite. The, would you call it? The Regia something or other? Oh, yeah, the Regia Solus or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. so they, um, it's the It's like in guys, Die Another Day with James Bond. There's like the, the sun laser that yeah. they use at the end of the movie. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. And it's being pointed at the Queen Zenobia. So the only way to survive, basically, is to uh, deflect its eye, if you will, 
and you use the drone to do that because the drone emits the same signal, I guess, as the ship. Correct. Which moves us into the second act of this episode, which is our first timed mission. Resident Evil always has timed missions, you know, so to speak. And we get our first one here is you're trying to get to the control room, and of course you're fighting a bajillion enemies along the way. And that, uh, that's pretty much that uh, episode. Yeah, I don't miss time missions. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm never a fan of those. So now we move into episode eight, All on the Line. And in the first act here, now we meet the true bad guy of the, um, of the game, and his name is Morgan. And I put that he looks like evil Christopher Lee. You know, like skinny, high-pitched voice, evil quit Christopher Lee. Right, right. But he looks just like Christopher <laughs> Lee in, uh, especially in like Star, the like Attack of the Clones. He looks just like that. This guy, by the way, is basically your boss's boss. That's the right. <gasps> moment there. Right. And so now we have some more swimming because the they the Ooh. it turns out the missile failed, the UAV failed, and it like knocked the ship over. So now you're like swimming through the ship underwater. Um, and then I put, don't like that they don't let you backtrack during a mission. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Like, a lot of times, you won't be able to go back through doors to go, like, collect something. Did you ever notice that? Not really. Um, the only you on time... Track. Like, your partner will say, like, where are you going, Jill? We have to go this way to get to the Ford deck. Yeah, shut up, asshole. I'm exploring. Um, I, I didn't really notice that too much because the only time I did excessive exploring was at the beginning of the game. And the only things that you can't access at that point or anything behind a locked door. Yeah. It's like you have to find the various keys uh, scattered all over the ship, and then you can get to new areas. But by the time we got to this uh, point of the game, and we're, we're nearing the end now, mm-hmm. it, I was just so fed up, dude. <laughs> so I really didn't, I never tried to backtrack. I was just always pressing on. I just noticed that every once in a while, because I'm like, what if I went this way? You know, because I'm, I just, I don't like when games like, go this way, do this. And I'm like, well, I want to do my own thing. Uh, I'm going to go over here. And then, of course, yeah, like I said, Parker's like, where are you going, Jill? That's the wrong way. Uh, so, and then at the end of this episode, we, we meet, or at the end of this act, we meet Veltro. I guess that's the name of the guy. It's like this dude in a gas mask. But I thought Veltro was the name of the terrorist organization. So I was kind of confused. Like, wait, is it like it's, it's, is his name Veltro, or is like, what, were you confused by this? I, I mean, a little bit. Like, I thought at the beginning of the game they actually showed you real Veltro, but well, I mean, you find out why, but you basically don't ever see that guy again. I right. don't think. Then we jump to Chris and Jessica, who are now on their way to the Queen Zenobia because they were on the wrong ship, if you remember, and they're fighting these like giant snake monsters as they like race to the ship. Which that was kind of fun. Right? Yeah, the the best part of that was you get. I think you get the uh, never ending Gatling gun at that point, don't you? Yes. Which the only downside to it is it overheats, so you got to watch. You can't just like hold the button down and keep shooting. You have to watch it from overheating. Yep. Uh, and then at the end of this, we get a little anim or a little video where we find out what a surprise. Evil Conan wasn't actually evil. Oh my gosh, I never saw that one coming. And then he dies. So now we're back to... No, no. now for the first time ever, we get Jill and Chris together again. Huzzah! Yay! Classic pairing. Woo! And then uh, that's quickly followed by more swimming. Yay! Um, but then it ends. The big cliffhanger of this is they find a giant secret lab. And what 
kind of Resident Evil game would it be if we didn't have a giant secret lab hidden dun, dun, uh. on the place that we've been exploring the whole game? Which now we are in episode nine, no exit. So now we go back to Jackass and his friend at the crash site, and you fight off a horde of dogs and hunters while Jackass boots up the computer. Um, I will note this is the fourth time I died throughout this playthrough. Uh, and this is just, it's a pretty short little chapter. You are just fighting enemies. It's, it's not much to say. So this is the point in the game where they, yeah, it's just the same freaking thing over, over and over and, over, and, and, over, and over, over again. And it's just, you have to keep killing bad guys until he boots up the computer, which is stupid. Um, and then like a switch would turn off, so you'd have to go turn on the switch again. And so they have you running around a little bit. Um, and then we find out big cliffhanger that O'Brien, who's our boss, is Veltro. Wasn't Evil Conan? It's actually O'Brien. Dun dun dun. Well, and then uh, Veltro <laughs> may or may not exist. Correct. Well, we'll get to that in a second. So now we're back to Jill and Chris. Jill and Chris. Uh, Jill explores a lab, Did, uh, and then I, I asked this, and I wanted you. I wanted to know what you thought. Do you ever read the files? There's so many files in this game. Most of them are useless. Like, I, I've definitely exactly. checked out a few of them. There's a couple that were sort of fun. Like, there was one uh, earlier in the game when you're in one of the staterooms and you come across this note and the guy is like, suddenly the ship is overrun. It was like a diary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, suddenly the ship is overrun. You know, I managed to get away, but I'm, I'm wounded and yada, yada, yada. I think you probably find one of the weapons right about then. But one of the things I feel like the Resident Evil series has lost over time is back in the early games, like every file seemed to mean something or added to the game or you would there would be clues within the files and they have pretty much completely lost that. Yeah, it, like everything else. like It's just another part that they threw in there just for giggles mm -hmm. and it's time-consuming, nothing else. Uh, and then I... You have to swim a little bit more, and there's these laser walls, and I totally swam into a laser wall and died. That was my fifth time. Uh, and then you finish the episode neutralizing the virus while fighting hordes of leech people. And now, I agree, it's getting a little repetitive at this point. There's not, not a lot of new stuff being introduced. So episode 10, Tangled Webs. We start off with Parker and Jessica. Parker goes to the bridge alone. Um, and I wanted to bring up, I liked the screen tilting effect. So at this point, the ship is like, you know, it's a, it's a mess. It's, um, and, and the, it, the screen is constantly kind of tilting back and forth and it just has an eerie effect that I really liked. Have you anything yeah. to say about it, that? You summed it up pretty well. So, I mean, the ship is sinking and yeah. as such, it's affecting your field of view. Mm -hmm. They just, they played into that. They made it that much more difficult to get around when you're, trying to orient yourself right um and there's not much to say about this little chapter you're fighting through monsters and hunters i did die a sixth time here and then this chapter ends with the discovery that evil conan is not actually dead but still alive and jessica is in fact evil they put a stamp on that yeah this game is uh one of the only games i can think of in which literally every character is evil and nobody dies that's true. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Except in the next chapter, where we play as Jill and Chris. So the Queen Semiramis sinks. That's the other, the sister ship that Chris uh, and Jessica were on originally. 
and the Queen Zenobia is now sinking, and you have to go through this whole sequence where you save Parker while getting through the ship, which requires you to kind of throw Parker over your shoulder and walk at a friggin' snail's pace. And it this is the part sucks. where uh, Chris starts slamming the door in your face, and you're like, thanks, man. Right, right. Chivalry and, is dead. And then after all of this, Parker still dies. Or does he? Or does he? Actually, that's a good point. Uh, so then you race through the ship. There's another self-destruct sequence. The old another another timed sequence. Um, yeah, this yeah. chapter's starting to look familiar. Yep. So let's move into episode eleven, Revelations. What? Where the game gets its namesake. So in the first chapter of this episode, you're Jill and Chris again, and you fight uh, this giant squid monster thing on the ship. Uh, you fight it in two forms. Once on the ship kind of shooting it from below, and then you get into a helicopter and fight it from the air. So you're flying all around it. Right, um, so this, uh, the virus that was in the secret lab at the bottom of the ship has somehow c converged with something. I don't know. I like stopped paying attention. A squid, I would guess, something like Between that. Between this and the fact that Jessica blew up the ship, you've now, you're on like a half-sunk ship fighting this boss and you basically you only have one little platform that you have to run back and forth on and you're just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting until your friend comes along and starts dropping rocket launchers mm -hmm. and they don't do nothing either um so yeah this is a uh, timed chapter or timed act anyway and i don't know i i'm not sure if there was actually uh like if i did it or if it was just i kept fighting until the timer ran out and that's what ended the boss oh really the timer ran out and then you still passed yeah so like I, that's what i mean i don't know if i got in just under the wire or if it no, was just like we're gonna take pity on her and oh that's crazy yeah no i thought both forms of this boss were super easy i didn't have a one problem with them super easy but also time consuming like right. and that's what i was with the first boss i'm just not sure if it was even me or if it was right. just like here's a five minute clock go nuts exactly yeah and then once you finally get onto the helicopter you get you're reacquainted with your never-ending gatling gun and it's literally just another i don't know how many minutes of shooting until yeah. it just says you know yeah you've been doing this long enough yeah Let's there's not on. a sense of like progress you just kind of do it until you don't and again with the tentacles this thing just has never-ending tentacles yep. what is it with these games and tentacles that's, I, I don't know. And then the second chapter in episode 11 is yet another flashback. And now we're back with Parker and Jessica back on Terra Grigia, the floating island. Um, and that, yeah, now I put, now Jessica is dressed like a flight attendant. What, what is up with her outfits? She's on a mission. Why is she dressed like a flight attendant? It's kind of fun though, a flight attendant with like an assault rifle. Yeah, I guess. That and could I mean, be a good movie. You know. Jessica, she's she's pretty easy on the eyes, so uh, you know I can get behind that. But just like logically, makes no sense. Read. Uh, you're fighting hunters with a pistol. They force you to fight hunters with a pistol, which is really annoying. But even more so, annoying than that is Evil Conan is there with you, and he gets hurt, so you have to go get a tourniquet for him, which is ridiculous. And, and, and like on the sixth floor or something. Yeah, and you're doing another one of those things where you got to throw him over the shoulder and like carry him around. And ugh, I hate that. Um, I will mention I died a seventh time here. <laughs> and then 
we get a convoluted Veltro explanation. Would you like to, uh, would you like to? All I can tell you is that this whole chapter was instigated by uh, Jill and Chris confronting O'Brien and saying, tell us what you know, because at some point O'Brien says, you know what, my bad, this may have all been my fault. Right. And so he goes on to explain that, in fact, Veltro was a um, formidable terrorist organization once upon a time, but they were defeated. And then he sort of magically, O'Brien that is, brought them back. Uh, in order to expose Morgan, who's his boss, uh, as the actual culprit of everything that's going on with, you know, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Abuse of Terra Grigia mm-hmm. and that freaking satellite dealie. Yes. So uh, he explains that he he fabricated the whole thing, that Veltro isn't back. He is Veltro, as we've learned. And... Uh, yeah, then they, they get into some weird, here's, go on another underwater mission, yada, yada, yada. Yes, this, by the way, it couldn't get more ridiculous, now there's a third ship. Not just Dido. two. So, so yeah, you ha- like, it just feels this game keeps recycling its big reveals. Right, like and you- this is the point in the game when I, I threw my hat in. You quit? You didn't play it anymore? <laughs> I, I closed the 3DS, I threw it at the wall for a final time, and I said I'm done doing the exact same thing over and over and over Are again. Are you serious? When the exact same thing is not fun, and like I said, they're just piling on at this point. Like It's like they're trying to get you to stop low, playing the game. Low, 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 what and, are you doing? You're right at the end of the game! Yeah, I really don't feel like I missed anything. I think so, all the so revelations you, you, you didn't beat were the game? had. You didn't beat the game? Officially, no. Oh my gosh. So there is one episode left. And no, it is super short. It's basically a boss fight. And then it's the end of the game. There's a hole in my wall where my 3DS fits, and that's it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, well, okay, we're going to talk about this final chapter. So it's called The Queen is Dead. So yes, it's one chapter. You are Jill and Chris. You go to the third and final ship which which is actually underwater that's why they didn't know about it and you do this dumb another stylus mechanic where you got to cut doors open like a a welder you know and it it makes no sense there's no challenge to it you literally just drag your stylus on the line and she cuts open the door so i ask why why is this there is this just to incorporate the stylus for no other reason it's not timed so there's no there's no consequence if you don't do it. It's just, it's a waste. It's a waste. Um, Turns and I'll... out she's also the master of unwilling. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, well done. So now we, we are introduced to an, yet like another villain character. I don't remember how he's connected. He knows Morgan somehow. And I called him Baldy McGlasses because he's a bald dude with glasses. And he ends up turning into what I've dubbed the mer-tyrant, because it's half-tyrant, half-merman. He's got, like, these gills and fins coming off him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me guess. He injects himself with the virus. Yes. Ha! What are the odds? Now, this, this was interesting. This was the first boss fight that really gave me a run for my money. So I died my eighth time here, and then I put, how do you dodge his attack? Because he has these attacks, and they seem to happen so quick, and... You can't run away from him. No matter how far away you you are from him, every time he does his attack, he will hit you. 
So I'm thinking, how do you dodge this attack? And I died a ninth time. And then I finally figured it out. Ah, you're not supposed to run away from him. You're supposed to stay really close to him. Um, but then again, I died. Are you still there? I'm here. Okay. Uh, so I died. Um, but I finally figured it out. And you, I died a tenth time as well. And then I, I realized you need to just stay really close to him. And it's not about wasting ammo and shooting him as much. There are certain times you're supposed to hit him. And it's right before he attacks you. And he does this, this kind of smoke and mirrors trick where he produces uh, duplicates of himself. And how you tell which is the real one is he's got this like purple smoke coming out of his chest. And so if you shoot the one with the purple smoke, it'll like stun him. And you just have to keep doing this over and over and over until you finally beat him. But the funniest thing, this tyrant has a vagina face. His face is literally a vagina. Well, where else are they going to put the tentacles? And I, yeah, exactly. God. Now, and I'm so bummed you didn't get to the end of this game, Lo. You didn't see the vagina face? It sounds like I really didn't miss anything. Can, can so. you look it up right now? Can you look it up? Can you look up a picture? Of my vagina? No, of the tyrant. <laughs> All right. You don't know his name? Baldy McGlasses? No, well, I called him Mer Tyrant. I'll just type final boss. Yeah, there you go. You gotta see this. I mean, there's... It's, it's just oh, clear as oh. day. He looks like something out of a... Marvel comic. Yeah, but with the face of a vagina. It it like in this picture it looks like he has half a Deadpool mask. Oh, it's an eye. Oh, that makes sense because of the freaking cover of the game. Yeah, yeah. It's his bulging eye. Yeah. He he seriously looks like something from a Marvel comic. But would you agree in my assessment? And when he talks, it's like the, f the flaps open. It's so funny. <laughs> it looks like he just has a hole in his face below the bulging eye well in when i don't know the pictures you're i, I think at. i think uh you've been watching too many movies curtis uh no i'm telling you dude's got a vagina face and make sure you um hit up cartridge bros p2 on twitter with the hashtag vagina face <laughs> i love that um so yeah it turns out you don't actually have to shoot him until you counter his attacks so i was wasting a, all my ammo on him and never beating him and i was like what am i doing wrong turns out you only have to shoot him when he counters. And then you beat him. And then the final, you know, we get your classic, our heroes like flying away in a helicopter. And the final line of the game is delivered by Jill Valentine. And she says, the storm is gone now, but how long will it last? I mean, come on. She has all sorts of these bad one-liners like all throughout the game. And then you find out at the end, there's like a little Marvel stinger type thing, you know, after the credits where you find out not only Parker had lived, so the sacrifice is totally, like, rendered moot as far as the emotional relevance of it, because uh, it turns out he lived! And it's the funniest thing, because there's no reason. They basically just show, like, he lived. And he's, he's some sort of immortal. I mean, he literally fell through, like, several stories through, of like, fire. fire. And flame. <laughs> yeah, but he lived. He came out completely unscathed. Even his long, perfect hair. Right. And it felt Untouched. so tacked on and ridiculous. And then, on top of it, swerve number two, evil Conan actually is evil. So they make this big deal out of him seeming evil, then he's not evil, and then he is evil at the end. And it ends with um, 
with uh, Evil Conan giving the virus to, like, a little vial of the virus to Jessica in, like, some cafe in, who knows, Italy or something. And then that's the end. And so she's who delivers it to, I'm assuming, Wesker in Resident Evil 5. I don't know. And that's the end of the game. Great. Normally I ask the big question up front for CC Portable, but I decided to save it for the end because I thought it was a more fitting location for the question. And my big question is this. Is Resident Evil Revelations a quote-unquote real Resident Evil game according to Low Burton? There's a couple of facets to this answer. So with Revelations, uh, they addressed the cries of the fans uh, saying that the Resident Evil games are, are not survival horror anymore and they're missing a lot of the pillars, the pieces that make a game Resident Evil. I feel like they really tried to reintroduce a lot of those elements, like the isolation feeling the general um, design of, of each of the levels. Uh, if you think like in Resident Evil 4, you were running around little villages and castles. And it's like, this is too open, you know, like there's too many options. But with Revelations, they brought you back to this tiny space and your claustrophobic feeling. And they tried to put emphasis back on your need to find ammo and the enemies are really difficult to take down things like this we've mentioned a whole bunch of them throughout this game and even reintroducing or this podcast rather uh even introducing things like the puzzles and the knife and things like that like they did a very poor job uh reutilizing those elements and that's unfortunately what kind of killed it because they started off so well like they were really winning me over and then everything they added on and then towards the end of the game you're just like oh come on <laughs> you know and it, it it it's not even worth finishing so <sighs> i i am at a loss um because on paper if i if i wrote down everything that this game is and compared it to everything that resident evil one is they have a lot in common but the fact of the matter is they just don't play out the way resident evil one does in resident evil revelations Okay, where was I going with this? So, um, <laughs> there's there's a lot like on my mind when I think about this. I feel like you want to like this game. I desperately wanted to, and like I, th this is what I'm trying to get to is, you know, at some point, um, Matt Bandy he tweeted that he was worried that in playing this game he wouldn't be able to understand things because he like they were referencing things from the previous games, and he thought that there might be some sort of interconnectivity. And then he'd mentioned that he'd never played the original games before. And my, of course, my instinct was to be like, what's wrong with you? Go play Resident Evil. But I had an epiphany and I realized that there's really no point because anybody who's coming into it this late is not going to appreciate what Resident Evil established at that time, right? Like what it was for sure. me. Sure, it, it was It was revolutionary. I mean, it was revolutionary not only for video games, but for horror and zombies and it, it added so much of this cool shit. and so that's why i get so upset when people like you uh speak so fondly of resident evil 4 because i'm like you're missing it you're 
there's just none of this here. It's uh, they, they take these pieces like Leon and then just stick it in a completely new game and they call it Resident Evil. And it's not. But if you enjoy this game, I don't recommend really that you go play the original trilogy because you're not going to understand what it did. You're just going to see crappy graphics, crappy mechanics, crappy controls, and eventually throw your controller at a wall because you're fed up. So, you know, as an old timer, I, I have to say no. I don't think this really hits the mark as a Resident Evil game. But Resident Evil isn't made for me anymore. It's made for someone else. That answer was so long We've now had to cancel next month's CC Portable. Part two, let's do it. <laughs> uh, well, that was definitely an opinion. I have three follow-up questions. One, who is this game for? New Resident Evil fans. I already answered that. Age-wise. Um, I don't think that matters anymore. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, what is it rated? M, right? Which means nothing to anybody anymore. So I think uh, a young person wouldn't have much trouble navigating this as long as they're not too easily uh, disturbed. So you're telling Duke that his kids should go play this? Bobby could enjoy this. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, is this a good portable game? That one, I'm going to say a hard no. Really? Yes. Um, there are elements that I liked, um, things that I think worked on the DS, like uh, the dual screen I actually warmed up to pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously the the portability of it. I mean, and the fact that they broke it up into episodes means yeah. that you can just play in bursts and pick up and go as you want. Yeah. However, um, Resident well, this Evil... This better be good because the, I disagree with you. I think it's the reason portable. that there aren't very many Resident Evil portable games is because Resident Evil is a big, epic, immersive experience. And you're you're looking at it on a, what, two and a half inch screen and playing with a broken nub of a controller. I wasn't. And, well, yeah, but even so, you're you're not playing with the same sense of is there a better word than just control and comfortable? And, you know, when you're trying to appreciate the horror design of a game and the grotesque enemies and the sound, the sound design in this, like, coming through those tiny little speakers, man, if you pump that thing through a proper television, it, oh, it would be great. And, and we're you lucky can because if you want. It exactly. came out on all these. It came out on PlayStation 3 and 4 and stuff. I was getting to that, but it was designed for the DS. It, it was, was made exclusively correct. for it, which means that they didn't necessarily have these things in mind. And even things like you mentioned, um, at some point, the, the mouths weren't moving. And that just shows the limitations of the hardware. It's not the best option for a Resident Evil game. I think for a portable game, this was a pretty good portable game. <laughs> it's getting late I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the most um, articulate that's the word not the most articulate right now but I think it was a good portable game I think the episodic nature really lent itself 
to the story, and Resident Evil stories are so convoluted anyway that that's hardly, you know, the point of playing a Resident Evil game. You don't you don't play it for the story. You want the the action and the scares and the surprises and twists and turns. And I think that all delivered, you know, minus a few things here and there, the stylus um, additions and and towards the end of the game it started getting a little repetitive. But I think overall it was a good portable game. Even if you take the Resident Evil aspect out of it, yeah. it's it's a weak game. Like, it's... We talked about it. The weak puzzles, the weak... You know, there's so many... Could have been better. Hit, Could have been better. They, they hit it on a couple of notes. Like, the customizing weapons things was f***ing cool. That but, was awesome. Um, Did you just swear? All in all, Am I going to have to bleep you? I've probably done that several times. Um, Son of a... I told you I was a sailor. God. Yeah, what was those words you used again? Yawning and chafing or whatever? Pitching and yawing. You're hopeless. What is it? Pitching and yawing. Oh, okay. So it's rocking side to side or rocking forward and back. Oh, okay. Or bow to stern. Oh. And port to um, starboard, right? Yeah, port to starboard. Um, So just in general, I think, like, even not asking about resident evil but just is it a good game i think it started off with a lot of potential and then it just dropped sure consistently throughout and my final question it's not really a question it's more of a command rate this game on a scale from one to five five being the best two whoa there's your short answer do do you want me to go in do you want me to go into my explanation (laughs) That is mean, and yes, I require an explanation for a two. Okay. I don't think we've given out a two yet, have we? Here, here's my my thinking behind that. I actually I used to use a star rating on my website once upon a time, and I rated them from one to five. And for me, it's not so much um, the quality of the game per se, although that does lend itself to the explanation, which is how likely am I to replay this? So one is, it's in the trash, never going to speak of it again. And as we have already discussed, (laughs) I'm never playing this again. (laughs) And five obviously being like, it's never coming out of my system. I'm just going to keep playing it forever. So it falls a two because I I don't see myself picking this up again. And I've had as much of the experience as I want to have. And I, you know, it's not worth it to me. Well, I'm going to give it a four. Because I thought it was a pretty darn good Resident Evil portable game. Not perfect, but I don't think... I think it's a... It's tough. It's really between a three and a four. It's like a three and a half. Because four is a little bit too good. And it's... But it's not average. It's like slightly above average. Definitely needed some work in places. But I have some great memorable moments. I mean, I think the first half of the game is a lot more solid than the second half of the game. Like, the, the scares, everything about the first half of the game is legit. And then it kind of, like, peters off towards the end. I agree with you there. Yeah. but and So you, the, you only need to play the first six episodes, and then you can get rid of the game. Maybe the first seven. Um, right, right up until, like, Jill and Chris are, are together again. Reunited and it feels so Okay, good. so Lowe gives it a two. I give it a 3.5. And I hate doing half scores but whatever but it's not about what we think it's about what you guys think and we actually had a lot of people piping in this month giving their two word reviews you can always do that on twitter uh with the hashtag cc portable i'll find it give me two words or you can go on the forums at cartridgeclub.org 
And you guys did. You came out swinging, and this is what you told us. So, Vintage, Video Game Geek, said, Brain Dead. Not sure if he was talking about himself. hey No, we love you, Vintage. Rocket Sauce. He said, Classic Feel. And I agree with you, Rocket Sauce, and I think so does Lowe. It, uh, it, was, it was a lot more original Resident Evil than Resident Evil 4 was. Would you say that, Lowe? Yes, I'd agree. All right, I agree too. Matt Bandy, he said, reload faster. That's another thing we didn't even mention. Like, how slow is this game? But, see, I think that works in his favor because it, it ratchets up the tension. It's not only the reloading, though. Like, there, it was laggy in general. Uh, there was those loading screens. We're talking about reloading. That's what Matt Bandy's talking about. And the reloading, I think, for as slow as it was, it's not like it was so slow. It was slow enough that you were like, come on, come on, come on. I like that. It gets you, it gets you your blood pumping. No, just give me the unlimited shotgun. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Steven Eider, he said, dat booty. Alternatively, dat wedgie. hey But there was some fine booty in that game. Come on. You can you can get behind that, right, Lo? And this, this is why third person is better than first. Chris Roberts, I think he piped in a couple times. He did. And his first one was Portable Zombies. Well, I'm sorry, Chris, but I don't think there's a single zombie in this game. Unless you count those leech people. But I don't, so you're wrong. Derek Moore. I'm not familiar with Derek. Nice to meet you, Derek. Welcome to the Cartridge Club, or thanks for piping in. Maybe you've been around the whole time. I don't know. But you're here now, and you said good again. Kind of uh, echoing Rocket Sauce's sentiments of the having the classic feel or getting back to more of what we all miss from the Resident Evil franchise, especially after 5. Uh, P1. He had a no-word review. It, was, it just said, less than 4. Ooh, what do you think about that, Lo? It's greater than 4. I disagree. I still think 4 is better because 4 is friggin' awesome. And I think I'm on the wrong podcast. I think this is never going to see the light of day. I don't even know why we're recording it right now. Why did I invite you on? I hate you, Low. You missed me. I did, a little bit. Uh, Chris Roberts piped in again. Hey, I know that guy. Yeah, he said more bandy. That, that's universal. Yeah, I think we could all use a little bit more Matt Bandy in our life. And then there was Chris R., not to be confused with Chris Roberts. This is Chris R., and he is also uh, new to chiming in on CC Portable. You can find him on Twitter, at BassGuy. BassGuy. BassGuy? I'm going to go with Bass. B-A-S-S-Guy654. And he said he had two as well. He said, shoot, stab. Maybe that was his, uh, his strategy. He'd shoot and stab, huh? Save ammo. I Maybe you should have tried it, though. I think that works in this game. Yeah. I did. And then he said, mash Y, which you certainly did mash the Y button throughout this game. And then Dean Lasagna rounded it out. He said, CSI Zenobia. I like that. That's fair. CSI Zenobia. Lo, do you have a uh, two-word review? I do. I'll I'll also just chime in. Another friend of mine from Twitter uh, posted one as well. And it was uh, Pat, uh, my friend Pat, who was actually he warned me about the uh, the C stick <laughs> before I got into it. So I was already kind of crying before I even started this game. But anyway, he went with the classic Jill sandwich. Ooh, nice. 
And as for me, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I don't I don't uh, contribute three word reviews to CC Prime. Oh. And there's a reason for that. And that reason is that I am the queen of the Cartridge Club. And as such, I am afforded the exclusive ability to have a permanent three word review, which you'll remember, Curtis, is Darren is wrong, which I occasionally have to amend to Darren isn't wrong. But for the most part, that's how it stands. So here I am now on CC Portable, and you've gone and taken away one of my words. Yeah. And I have to come up now with another permanent. You ain't the, you ain't the queen here. Two-word review. So I like to stick with something kind of universal, you know, something that makes sense at least most of the time. And we're only a few episodes deep now in CC Portable. But there is something I've noticed. Something that's come up in pretty much every episode. So, I hereby decree, henceforth, my permanent two-word review is Ask Bandy. Wow. Well, Bandy, Mr. Matt Bandy is getting a lot of love right now, and he does pipe in a lot. Uh, he is one of the big supporters. Supporters? Did I just com combine su supporters and portable? He is a supportable That's guy. it. Hashtag supportables. Supporters. Yeah. Yeah, Make sure you tweet that at P2. <laughs> Uh, I agree. Matt Bandy, um, he's a smart guy. But he liked this game, and you didn't. So I completely agree with what you say. Ask Bandy, because I'm going to change mine. My, my original two-word review was Needs Leon, which is just a callback to, I think, Leon's Dreamy. But I'm going to change it to Lowe's Wrong. Huh? What do you think That's about a... that? What do you think about that? Not, not very innovative. Well, I'm going to... I think you suck at this. Uh, refer to my two-word review. Which is, it's Lowe's wrong. That means, like, uh -huh. your, whatever you say is wrong. So, your opinion Sorry. is wrong. We, we've already established that you have terrible taste in games, so... Well, you have terrible taste in life. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this just got sad. And that's it, folks. That's Resident Evil Revelations. I think we covered pretty much everything we possibly could. This is going to be a little bit longer than normal for our podcast. But that's okay. I think, Lo, you deserve it. You oh, deserve gee, to, to get a little extra time on CC Portable. And, in fact, you're the first chick on CC Portable. I was also the first chick on CC Prime. Well, there you go. Wow. Making See, I history. am the queen. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're not the queen here. No, you're not the queen. You're, you're like the... the, the made You're like, i'm gonna hey. defer to your overlords on this one uh p1 we're gonna have to have a talk and uh i think we need to talk about replacing the host of cc portable hey 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 guys <laughs> can you imagine oh my goodness yeah, I, I think no one would do it <laughs> <laughs> probably it would, it would just go down the drain remember those like five episodes of cc portable exactly <laughs> um but I always like to wrap up our CC Portable with uh, recommending another game, something to get you started. If you really like this, something you could move on to. And I think you'll agree with me on this one, Lo, because I'm going to recommend if you liked Resident Evil, uh, if you liked Resident Evil Revelations, you might also like Resident Evil Deadly Silence, which was a port of the original Resident Evil game on the DS. Well, we I've already said that Resident Evil belongs on a big screen, so. Yeah, but it's the original Resident Evil. Isn't that like your yeah. favorite one? Oh, I also 
already said, if you enjoyed this game, chances are you're not going to enjoy the originals, so... No, I, uh, I don't know if I can get behind this. Lo, you just have to ruin everything, don't you? You yeah. just have to ruin everything. No, I am your Lex Luthor, sir. Let me explain. You would like Resident Evil Deadly Silence on the DS. It's actually pretty cool, and I thought about putting, putting that on the poll, but since it's a port of the game, I kind of wanted to do something that was more like, you know, Resident Evil Revelations was made for the 3DS. But this is really cool because you can play two versions of the game. One is just a straight-up port of the original PlayStation game, or you can play like a DSified version where they switch around some of the puzzles to be like DS controlled. And I actually really dug it. It was a much better implementation of the stylus controls than this game. Um, and the puzzles were actually like decent puzzles. And you actually even have a boss fight where you have to use this, the stylus. So it's a lot of fun. If you, uh, if you need another Resident Evil fix on a portable system, I highly recommend you check out Resident Evil Deadly Silence. On the DS, do you have if, if if since since you're not recommending that, do you have something you'd like to recommend? I don't. I don't have a recommendation. I do have a, a request of okay. the listeners. Okay. Um. So this has been my first experience with the C stick on the new 3DS. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if anybody can recommend a game that uses that more uh, effectively. Yes. Well, there you go. Did. Let's talk about what's coming up in the coming months. This is, I love, I love doing this. I love talking about what's coming up. Very excited. Next month, get out your PSPs, folks, because we're going to be playing Patapon. You ever played Patapon, Low? I have not. I really don't know anything about it. Are you going to play along with us? I don't think I can. Why? I don't have the game. <laughs> Do you have a PSP? Somewhere. Well, the Patapon's like a $5 game. Go find it. You know what? My two-word review is going to be the same, so just uh, use that. Uh, so that's November's game. Coming up in December, we had a vote. I'm starting to do the, the versus battles, and uh, I didn't have a good name, a good catchy title, but I, I'm, I'm dubbing it now The Land Baron because it was all about the land games on Game Boy. We had Mario's uh, Super Mario Land versus Kirby's Dream Land, but first it was Mario versus Kirby. Kirby won, then it was... Did you want to play Kirby's Dream Land 1 or 2? And it was a super close vote. We had 27 oh, total votes. And winning with 52%, we will be playing Kirby's Dream Land 1 on the Game Boy. So everybody wanted to go all the way back to the beginning, the very first Kirby game ever. And that is one of those games you could probably play once a day for the entire month. You could. It's You can beat it in about 20 minutes. And it's really fun. If you get a chance, track it down and play it because it's, it's, it's a good one. And it's a classic. I mean, it's the, Cur it's the first Kirby game. So I can understand why that one. And then finally, for the first time ever, we're going to announce what we're going to be playing in January. So it's going to be another vote. So you guys are going to have to pipe in on Twitter. Let me know. Starting November 1st, for one week, we will have the vote where you guys get to decide what game we're going to be playing in January. And the theme of January is going to be Pinball Wizards. That's right. I picked four pinball games for you guys to decide between. And I tried to pick pinball games that had a little bit more flair to them. So it wasn't just playing pinball. There's some... Almost like, I don't want to say levels, but you had stuff you can unlock, stuff to do, fun stuff. You'll get what I'm talking about in just a second. Because the four games you will be deciding between is Metroid Prime Pinball, 
on the Nintendo DS. Uses the Rumble Pack. Great feature. Great game. I've played it. I highly recommend it. It would be very fun to talk about that game. Next is Pinball of the Dead. You like House of the Dead? You like zombies? You like killing zombies with a giant pinball? Well, then this game is right up your alley because that's exactly what you do. Really fun game. And actually, the first Game Boy Advance game that potentially could be on CC Portable. We haven't had any uh, Game Boy Advance games yet. And if that wasn't enough Game Boy Advance games, well, then you get a whole nother chance because the Game Boy Advance had so many good pinball games, but I tried to narrow it down. I picked the two that I really wanted to play, and I think you guys would get the most out of. And the third game is Pokemon Pinball, and that's Ruby and Sapphire. Really fun. You want Pokemon in pinball form? Well, this game's for you. Instead of a pinball, you got a Pokeball, right? That makes sense. You're catching Pokemon. You got a Pokedex, so you can try and collect them all. I think that'd be a really fun game to not only do a Beat My Score challenge on, see who can collect the most Pokemon, because you got to catch them all, right? Uh, so I think that would be a really fun game. And then finally, we're going old school, classic, one of the best pinball games on the original Game Boy, and that's Revenge of the Gator. Underrated, very cheap game. One of those hidden gem games you see people talk about. Very simple, but very effective. Revenge of the Gator. So, like I said, November 1st, the poll goes up. You guys get to decide. You got one week, uh, so get in your vote. And then, finally, we come to the end of CC Portable. So now we got some plugs. I'm going to try and get through them quick. Check out the forums at cartridgeclub.org, where you get to share your experiences alongside us. Chime in. You can go. You don't even got to talk about the, the Portable or the Prime games. You can go do forum games. You can chat about video games. You can sell video games. You can do what you want. There's so much stuff you can do. If you haven't checked it out, I don't even know how you got to this podcast, so I'm assuming you've already checked it out. But if you haven't really dug deep, Get in there and check it out. You'll love it. It gets better every day. Cartridgeclub.org. And as always, you can find me on Twitter, at Curtis Freisel. And you can let me know what games you'd like to play, or if you'd want to be a special guest like Lowe here. And really, I'm starting to incorporate into the voting these games that you guys wanted to play. I know a lot of people wanted to play Kirby, and sure enough, it won. Um, I even got, uh, I think Pokemon Pinball was um, recommended. So there you go. I'm, I'm trying to work them in, and that's helping me decide what the theme of the month is going to be. So thank you guys, and keep letting me know what you want to play. But back to Lowe. Lowe Burton, where can we find you? Easiest place to find me is on Twitter, and I'm at Nintendo. Uh, above that, if you want to check out my whining about other games, uh, you can go to andthenshegames.com. Lowe, thank you so much for being here. Cheers, darling. CC Unite!